they exist? Do not be deceived. There are tares sown among the wheat. There is no deception so well hidden in plain sight than the agenda of the troglodyte. They aim to erase human dominion of the earth and claim it for their own abuse. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another Dadcast. Brand new music. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that, that, that makes me hype. Cool. Super hype. Yeah. Yeah, you have to listen to the end because there's some harmonica slapping. Yeah. On the yeah, we'll play the full thing at the end. So, yeah, skipped about three minutes before we're done. <laughs> if you don't want to listen to this, just listen to the song. Just listen to the song. And don't ask me to do any of those. I know I do all the instrumentation, I do the whole song, everything in it, but. I couldn't do it live because, like, I play guitar a, a lead over and over until I'm like, oh, I like that one. No, just the, and then yeah. I do the harmonica over and over until I, I like that, you know. So it isn't like, yeah. it's not like I'm this accomplished, like I could do it on stage. Right. I, I can make it up. No, but, you could but definitely I could, do it on stage. You just wouldn't play. We would just lip sync. Yes. <laughs> you would lip sync the whole thing and it would come through yeah. the speakers. And, yeah, yeah, that's what we would do. Yeah. Lip sync. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we get really good at faking it. So. Yeah. And, uh, and we're slurping coffee because Timmons. Uh, uh, I'm a sober fella. Sober, sober this uh, I'm a this sober month. fella. So um, for those who don't know, uh, this is the Dadcast, um, part of Timmons Podcast Network, one of many podcasts coming to you. Um, but yeah, my name's Timmons, and I'm sober. <laughs> That's six, good. Six and days sober. Makes a dad proud. Yeah, so back when I turned 21, I decided every January... I was going to not drink or do heroin. Those are the two things I decided. <laughs> I'm joking. But, um, uh, so that's yeah. nice. So, on, on the month of January for the past nine years, I'm 30 now. No meth either? Uh, you know, that's a tough one to kick. So, no, is I'm that joking. why my income goes down? You're not feeding me that, <laughs> that money? Uh, I don't think you make any money. <laughs> We're getting way off topic, but yeah. Okay. So, anyways, yeah, we're drinking coffee we, instead of yeah. our. We're joking. We don't do that. We, yeah, no, yeah, we don't never. Do that. Not not on the weekends for sure. So, um, yeah, we got a good episode here today. It's been a little bit since we've done a dad cast, but this has been uh, long awaited. Lots of people have been asking. Uh, this cool. is the third sermon in the series. Yes. So, and, f- yep. And two days from or this is Friday night. Yeah. On uh, Sunday, I'm going to give the fourth. Fourth and final, and, and then maybe they might have me rest for a while. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. I'm probably going to release this on Sunday. I'm thinking. Cool. So the day you, if you're listening to this, the day it comes out, my dad is probably preaching right now. Yeah, cool. at uh, Mission Seventy Two in Goshen, Indiana. Mm-hmm. So head on down, get there around ten. Uh, he'll probably start preaching by eleven. You can catch the fourth fourth sermon. And um, I'm most likely just going to post the fourth sermon after we'll do another one of these. I'll post it next Sunday so okay. we, can, we can get the content to the people. So mm-hmm. um, I wasn't at this sermon, so I'm actually not 100% sure what how it all went. Uh, did you get booed off stage? I did. Okay. No, I didn't. So I'll bring it here to the people? No. <laughs> no. Yeah. It went it, well? It went well. Good questions. Um, they're not afraid to ask controversial questions, uh, and um, or disagree with you. 
or disagree. Somebody had a slight disagreement, which was cool. He was really cool about it. Yeah. It's pushback is fine. In fact, we discussed things back and forth. And then I said, this is the way it has to be done because I'm, you know, I'm just a, I don't know everything. Just a man. I'm just a man. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're we're not playing the questions not because I'm afraid of them but also, um, yeah they're hard to hear they're just yeah, yeah and it it's uh it's about thirty seven minutes of sermon so okay. it it's gets too long yeah. so I think we should just do the sermon people can get the well I'll have to give you the notes online and especially next week when I do the conquest of okay. the land of Canaan it's very difficult. I would think to follow just listening, mm. um, because I I make up tables and different things you know with different words inside of them uh, you know on a if you can imagine a, a slide yeah picture and stuff yeah the breakdown and it's, it's a lot <clears throat> yeah. easier if you have the visual aid to understand yeah. it huh yeah okay yeah no that's fine um, yeah we'll have a couple questions at the end of this uh, which yep. maybe we can kind of high level talk about okay um, but yeah this is the third sermon do you want to any summary, or should you, you um, kind of summarize it in the sermon? Yeah, real quick. Yeah, I mean, Genesis 3, 6, and 11 are major rebellions in our spiritual history. And uh, this is this sermon's on Genesis 11, where Nimrod builds the Tower of Babel. Hmm. And there's a lot more going on than it's some big tower that they wanted to stand at the top of in case God flooded the earth. That's not, no. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's, kin- not that's kindergarten stuff, man. That is not what's going on. Yeah. It's bigger. So, so we talk about that. Very cool. I, I don't know if that makes sense, or we we can yeah. probably talk at the end. No, so. it totally makes sense. Cool. Well, all right. Let's uh, I'll, I'll uh, bring us down here, and then let's get the sermon going. Cool. All right. Okay. Ready for our fire hydrant again? Yes. <laughs> all right. So. Some of you haven't been here. This is part three of a four-part series. So you get to put up with me next week, okay? I can't say okay. I don't know why I do that all the time. Uh, <laughs> um, so just to catch you up, um, there are so many details. I just read my sermon to you, and then at the end we have questions, which is a little scary because a lot of times I don't know what to say. But... Uh, but part one was about Genesis 3. That was our, there are three rebellions in our, our past history. And Genesis 3 was the first one where the Nakash, the serpent, uh, lured Adam and Eve into a broken relationship with God. And then the second was Genesis 6 where um, angelic beings tried to create their own hybrid race to steal dominion of the earth from us. And so then Genesis 11 is what we're going to cover uh, today. So, and in my notes, I didn't write down Genesis 11, 1 through 9, so I'm going to have to. Genesis is to the left in your Bible. <laughs> so let me read Genesis 11, 1 through 9, and then we'll, we'll, be, we'll start. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As men moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. 
They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from over all the earth, from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Okay. Uh, we covered the Nakash rebellion in the Garden of Eden, where we lost intimate access and relationship with God, and where we were limited or, with God and were limited to the first heaven. So, again, you'll have to get notes from sermon number one. So, I know some of this you may not be familiar with. Uh, we covered the Watcher Rebellion on Mount Hermon, which resulted in a worldwide flood. The fallen angels were locked in Tartarus, and the Nephilim were physically destroyed, but their disembodied spirits still roamed the earth. The survivors of the flood, Noah's family, were given an earthly reset and an update of the Edenic mandate to have dominion over the earth. That's Genesis chapter 9. But in Genesis 11, we see the third major rebellion of our early history. The Tower of Babel is an outright insurrection towards God. It defies God's instruction to spread out and subdue the earth. It is an attempt to use demonic power to war against God and his angelic host. It is an attempt to make humans the center of reality by making a name for themselves. The governing elites were enslaved to the fallen realm and its agenda to rule earth. The labor force involved in building the tower were enslaved to Nimrod, their despotic king. Unfortunately, not long after the flood, certain sons of Noah began to reject God and turn back to the forbidden knowledge of the watchers from before the flood era. Apparently, they began to summon the fallen realm for demonic power and insight. Post-flood giants were somehow being incubated again. The giant cultures had different names in different regions. Usually, they're known as Raphaim. I usually, uh, usually they're known as Raphaim. I covered several theories for their reappearance in the previous teaching. I suspect, this is my opinion, that these giants were produced through demonic wisdom and genetic breeding programs. Remember, demons are the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim hybrids of Genesis 6. Not only were men tapping into the realm of the dead for esoteric knowledge, but they began to align themselves with the fallen realm to advance a war against God. This same deception will happen in the end times, either at the beginning or the end of the tribulation period. Let's cover the tower. 
Some postulate that the tower builders believed they were located over the portal to Tartarus. Um, Tartarus or Hades, um, there's different, uh, different names for it. Um, Tartarus was supposedly the gates of the dead. Babel, Babel in Hebrew means confusion, but this is probably a loan word from the Akkadian inhabitants of the region. In Akkadian, Babel is Bab-alu, which means gates of the god, gates of the gods. And so the tower was an attempt to open a portal from the underworld into heaven and thus begin a war of dominion over the third heaven. Uh, on the last page, I'm gonna give you some correspondence to what's going on today. There's a similar thing going on today. <laughs> Don't worry, it'll get dark, but we're gonna bring it back to Jesus. And he's, okay, so it's gonna get dark for a while, but don't be afraid, okay. The ancient Amorite clans, which inhabited the region of the future promised land, practiced dead ancestor worship, where on the 30th of every month, when there was no moon, a ritual was performed. Food and drink libations were offered to the dead by spreading food over the mouths of the teraphim, and those are household gods. Their names were then rehearsed out loud at this meal, and if you neglected to call out their names or feed them, they would fall out of existence and be cursed to eat the dust. Now, I actually had another slide that I decided not to show where people actually still practice this. Grandpa is in another room and they keep putting food on his mouth uh, after he's dead. But I thought ah, the picture was too graphic, so <laughs> I took it out. <laughs> it, this goes on today. Um, these dead ancestors then had the right to come to haunt you for your negligence. It was a great honor for these clans to trace their ancestry to the Nephilim kings in the, in the, post, in the pre-flood era, to the Nephilim kings and the demigods, for their dead ancestor kings still held great power and dark wisdom which emanated from them through the underworld. Raphaim kings used their ancestral connection to the Nephilim as leverage for absolute civil obedience. This may be where the concept of the divine right of kings sprang from. Ever hear that, the divine right of kings? You do what I say because God made me king. Mm-hmm. I think we still have people acting like that today. Uh, so individual families and their government elites were not really communing with the spirit of, say, great-grandpa. They were communicating with the dead spirits of Tartarus, and they were successful at attaining advanced knowledge from the inhabitants of Sheol. Now listen to this. History shows a sharp increase in industry and technology among the sons of Cain before the flood and among the sons of Ham after the flood. Both family groups were communing with the fallen realm. Hence, it is little wonder that the Tower of Babel was a sophisticated engineering marvel. In extra-biblical accounts, it is said that even the city surrounding the tower was a sight to behold. Let me get a drink here. Whew. Okay, now let's talk about the tower builder. My daughter's laughing at me. I'm enjoying it too. I enjoy it when you laugh at me. It's great. 
smiling at me. I don't have my glasses on, so. <laughs> uh, the Tower Builder. There are some who argue that Cush, the father of Nimrod, is the one who began construction of the tower. Even so, Nimrod is the tyrant who took the tower to its great fame and height. Let's look at Genesis 10, eight through 12. Cush fathered Nimrod. He was the first on the earth to be a mighty man. I put the word gibor in there because that's the Hebrew. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. So this, this must mean something. They keep saying mighty hunter, gibor, over and over. The beginning of his kingdom was Babel, Erech, Akkad, and Kalna in the land of Shinar. From that land he went to Assyria and built Nineveh, Rehoboth, Ir, Kala, and Rezin. Between Nineveh and Kala, that is the great city. Okay, so let's keep, keep in mind this, uh, yeah, the scripture's behind me on the, up there, so. First notice that Nimrod became a mighty Gabor. The term Gabor carries the idea of a mighty, powerful giant. But, in, but the English word became obscures the Hebrew meaning. The word for became is kalal, and it means to profane or pollute oneself through ritual and sexual defilement, to violate a covenant, to wound or pierce or bore through something. This is fallen realm genetic witchcraft at its core. Nimrod had channeled the dead spirits of Tartarus to morph into a superhuman. It seems that the fallen realm had actually affected his DNA. This is something that we call epigenetics today. You'll have to look it up, it's pretty technical, but epigenetics is basically, it's not written here, but uh, it's environmental or behavioral forces that can regulate whether your gene genes are turned on or off. So I think they were doing something. He was doing something. I don't want to know. Um, his phys physical and intellectual prowess flowed from the dark supernatural realm which released the architectural and engineering brilliance needed to erect the tower. Keep in mind, after the Tower of Babel had been abandoned, Nimrod still lived on. He settled first in the plain of Shinar, where it's where he built the tower. Uh, this is in the lower eastern part of Mesopotamia near the Persian Gulf. Um, this is where Nimrod developed the Akkadian and Babylonian power cultures. After God dispersed the nations at the tower site, Nimrod retained power over his own people. Remember, they, they moved into different groups, so he was still in charge of his own people and his own language group, and then later migrated north to found Assyria. From there, he continued to cultivate city-states that would stand in opposition to the kingdom of God. Nimrod, after all, is the father of the two nations, Assyria and Babylon, that would later destroy both the northern and the southern kingdoms of Israel. Okay, so let's... Let's take a breath here. The tower, this is a recap. 
So the Tower of Babel and its surrounding city was an advanced architectural marvel. It was an occult portal to summon the power of the dead in Tartarus to war against God. And some of you already know this, that Tartarus is where the, the uh, fallen angels were locked away. They're the ones who tried to create the race of Nephilim uh, in Genesis 6. So God flooded the earth and locked the, these, these are pretty bad dudes, locked them into Tartarus, okay? Nimrod became superhuman through dark magic. He was a demon-possessed giant, tyrant king who enslaved his human labor force. And I, I use demon-possessed purposely because demons are the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim race that were wiped out in the flood. That's what the word demon means. That's what all the apostles and New Testament people, when you said demon, they, they didn't think fallen angel. That was a higher rank. They thought Nephilim had been destroyed and their spirits roamed the earth. They are demons, okay? So, and that's who Nimrod was communing with, demons. Nimrod lived on after the failure of the tower to form an enemy nation, or the enemy nations of God's people. Okay, now, hold, hold the idea of the tower in your mind. Now we have to go to um, a whole new topic that will help explain um, this, why this event in history is really important. And it's called the Divine Council Worldview. Has anybody, anybody familiar with that? A couple people, okay. So we're, it, it's, uh, it's, again, one of those things that um, it's not a myth, it's just not taught. People have forgotten it. Seminaries don't teach on it. I've been to seminary, they don't cover this stuff. Um, okay, think of it. God purified the earth of the terrifying Nephilim and gave the sons of Noah a new start, a new chance at Eden. But just a few centuries after the flood, the sons of Noah insist on rejecting God and his command to spread out and subdue the earth with that Edenic vision. They were communing with the fallen realm for supernatural power and wisdom. They believed that they had built the tower over a portal and were looking to invade the second and third heaven to war with God, all foolish endeavors. So God paid a visit. I love God. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from over the face of the earth and they left off building the city. All right. To see what's going on here, we must understand the divine council worldview. That's the worldview I take of the Bible. Listen carefully, this is not polytheism. I worship one God, I don't worship many gods. Everything that calls itself God except God the creator is, is a lesser being, okay? So I'm not a polytheist. Notice that God says, let us go down in verse seven. This is a plural announcement. The verbs are plural, so he's speaking to a group. He is not speaking to himself, he is not speaking to the Trinity. He is speaking to his council members. But in verse eight, the Lord, it says that the Lord, the Lord dispersed the people. 
the noun and the verb are masculine singular. It is God alone dispersing the nations. Let, let, me, give you, um, let me give you an example. Um, so let's say after church, well, we're gonna eat downstairs, but let's say this is, we weren't gonna have a supper downstairs. So after church, I go to my, my kids and I say, hey, let's go get pizza. And they're like, yeah, dad, let's go get pizza. And then I drive to Pizza Hut and I buy the pizza and I bring it back. So I made a plural announcement, hey, let's go get pizza. And they're all on board and they're like, yeah, let's do it. But then I paid for it. I drove and got it. I did the work. That's what's going on in this passage. Does it make sense? Okay. Uh, God willingly shares his authority with other beings of his choosing. This does not diminish his majesty, just like giving dominion of the earth does not, to us, does not diminish his majesty. His council members are the Bene Ha Elohim, that's the Hebrew word for sons of God. They are divine in the sense that they are celestial, they're supernatural, they're not human, they're not from earth but like us, they are created beings. They are his divine staff members, but they are not God, for he is the only supreme, uncreated creator. There is none like him. I know I have to reiterate that because people think when you say sons of God, you, oh, you, you believe in a bunch of gods. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. And keep in mind, because the angelic realm has free will, like us, not all of these council members remained loyal to God. The evidence of the divine council shows up in several places in scripture. You just need to be aware of it to see it. It's in Genesis 1, Genesis 11, Job 1, 1 Kings 22, Daniel 4. It's, it's there if you look for it. Back to the main thought. And, and later on in questioning, if, if this doesn't make sense, ask me questions, so, okay. Back to the main thought. God convened with his council members and then visited the rebels at the tower. This was a major point in our human history. God determined to allow the sons of Noah to have what they wanted. They spurned his protection, they spurned his fellowship, they spurned his leadership, and so he gave them over to lesser beings, to the angelic rulers. Worse yet, these entities seem to have already rebelled before they took control of the nations. This event accounts for the plethora of gods and myths scattered throughout ancient cultures. Has anybody watched Graham Hancock? Is uh, on Netflix? He's not a believer, but he keeps reiterating that there's some great apocalypse that happened. There's some flood, and then there's these, these demigods who come to people and give them knowledge, and he's, he's like, he's preaching the Bible over and over, and he's not a believer. It's very, Graham, is it Graham Hancock? Brian, is that right? Ancient apocalypse. Yep. Yeah, you don't have to agree with everything he says, but... Um, very interesting. He even speaks one time in a church. I noticed the background was a church. He's, he's not a believer and he's proving this great apocalypse that happened and this great knowledge that came down through supernatural beings. And he's like, like Graham, it's in front of you, buddy. Okay, so let's look at Deuteronomy 32. Um, 
I'll read this. Yeah, I'll read this. When I get to Psalm 82, James, I'll have you read it because my mouth is drying out. Okay. Deuteronomy 32. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. But the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob, his allotted heritage. So Moses is clearly teaching here that God gave the rebellious sons of Noah over to the rebellious sons of God, the angelic realm. The nations will then drift away from the creator into their own myths. But God always has a plan of redemption. Soon after the tower event, God visits one particular man, Abram. You guys know him? Hear him? Yeah. He starts over with Abram. From this man will come a nation, Israel. And from this nation will come a Messiah, Jesus. So even though the Gentile nations went adrift, they always had a beacon back to their true creator through the nation that God chose for himself. Israel's true purpose was to reveal the glory of God and draw the nations back to himself. In Isaiah, he, uh, God says, I will make you, I'm talking, he's talking to Israel, I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. That's, his, that's on his heart. That's the Old Testament gospel. That's the New Testament gospel. I'm gonna have uh, James read Psalm 82. Uh, Psalm 82 is amazing when you understand it's about a divine counsel uh, encounter. Okay, Psalm 82. God is taking his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. How long will you judge unjustly and show impartiality to the wicked? Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken, I said. All shaken. I said, you are God, son of the most high, all of you. Nevertheless, like men you shall die and fall like any prince. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. Thank you. You want to stay here for a minute? Sure. Good. I feel better if you're okay. (laughs) (laughs) This advances the idea that the entities that took control of the nations the sons of God, the B'nai, I like saying that, B'nai Elohim. At some point, these angelic beings rejected God and joined the fallen realm. God has put these rebellious B'nai Elohim on notice. They have treated humans like cattle, and so the Most High will inviscerate these angelic rebels, and he will inherit the nations back to himself. This line of reasoning is what Paul used before the philosophers in Athens. He understood that God was calling all the nations back to himself. Jesus was the linchpin that would pull all the Gentile nations back to God. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for 
In him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said. For we indeed, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assistance to all by raising him from the dead. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst. Okay, thank you. I'll, yeah, you're, you're relieved. Okay. <laughs> thank you, until we have questions. <laughs> and this isn't written in the sermon notes, but if, if you think about before the flood, the angelic realm were on earth and they were being worshiped. They were, they were here. After the flood, um, pagan nations made idols to represent them. And then they would um, try to commune with the demonic realm to get those idols to be possessed by the, the demon or whatever. I'm not sure what they did, but so before the flood, those fallen angels were around. After the flood, we have idols of them or things from the underworld. So, but, but Paul understands all that and he's like, I know uh, Jesus, is, he, he's drawing the nations back to himself. And, and that was on God's heart in the Old Testament, that's on God's heart now. Okay, so let's recap all this information. Tons, tons of it is coming at you, I know, so. Uh, like my sermon on Genesis 6, the divine council worldview is not a new teaching, it's a forgotten one. First century Jews and Christians would have understand that there was one supreme God who employed the B'nai Ha Elohim, the divine entities that he created, to rule the nations. The sons of Noah had rejected God as their ruler over and over, so he gave them over to their desires to be ruled by someone other than him. And history proves that some of these entities have remained loyal to God, like Michael. If you look, check in Daniel, you'll see uh, Michael is fighting against the prince of Persia. So Michael is, uh, is uh, a righteous divine council member, and the prince of Persia uh, was, it's not a man, it's, he's fighting against another entity that is uh, wicked. So, uh, even though the nations divorced God and fell under the sway of unrighteous entities, God immediately began to make a way to reconcile the nations back to himself through a man named Abram and through the future nation of Israel. God re would redeem all of these rebel nations. All right, now, let's move out of the darkness and look how Jesus, what, what's going on. The, the tower fails and the gospel prevails. The Tower of Babel was built to summon the dark spiritual forces of the fallen watchers, the elite government forces, human and celestial, controlled global unity and purpose under one common language. They were on a ruinous course to self-deification and total rejection of God. 
something had to be done in order to reverse this path of destruction. So God confused their language, halted their building project, and dispersed the sons of Noah away from the tower, this epicenter of human defilement. However, since humans had insisted on rejecting God's rule, he gave them over to lesser beings, to celestial entities that eventually received worship, the worship of the tribes of men. But God, in his unrelenting mercy, began to call the nation back to himself through the family of Abraham, the nation of Israel, and eventually the church. Jesus set out to build his church not out of brick and mortar like the tower, but out of changed lives of people from every nation. He's bringing them back. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit reverse engineered the effects of the Tower of Babel. He dispersed his own language among believers. He gave the apostles tongues of fire to preach the gospel to all nations. Instead of a physical tower, believers became the temple of God individually and corporately. On earth, we are the body of Christ filled with the Holy Spirit, not like the Tower of Babel, a a tower possessed by the watchers of of Tartarus. See, we're his body on earth filled with the Holy Spirit. And we have not enlisted in a war against the third heaven, no. We are soldiers of the kingdom of God. We are soldiers of King Jesus. It's a whole different, we have a whole different viewpoint than uh, the fallen realm and then what was going on at, at the tower. Okay. There's a lot of things. In conclusion, okay, these are a lot of my opinions. So, <laughs> but I think it. Why do I go into all these sermons and all this background? And that's I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> uh, number one, and we got I think five of these things. This information, number one, it explains why the ancient cultures had their own unique pantheon of gods, yet they had so many similarities. This is because after the tower event, nation groups were given over to lesser gods, to B'nai Ha Elohim. These fallen entities manifested themselves as gods and demigods to humans, and they demanded worship. So you'll find in ancient cultures similar creation myths and flood myths and these great heroic things that happened. And that's what number two is about. I got ahead of myself. Uh, Number two, it also explains why so many myths from different cultures sound rebranded. Creation and flood myths, the heroic quests of gods and demigods, legendary legends of chimeras. Anybody know what a chimera is? Like um, something that's half human, half uh, animal. Okay, they're, they're hybrids created from a fusion of different species. There's story, legends of these things. Um, these stories of the supernatural are probably embellishments of real events of the fallen realm. But they are distortions that seek to obscure reality and turn our attention away from the true biblical events. Today, the fallen realm and their human avatars <laughs> 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay it to you now. Today, the fallen realm and their human avatars yearn to return to the ancient golden age before the flood when the gods walked among men to glorify the heroes of old like the current stream of Marvel movies. Beware, it's fake news. Yeah, I watch Marvel. It's entertaining, but I know what their agenda is. I know what Disney's agenda is. I know what our government elites are, what their agenda is. Beware, it's fake news. I'm not promoting Donald Trump, I'm just saying. Just saying, yeah, it's fake news, <laughs> thanks. Uh, number three, it explains why giants appear again after the flood. This, that certain cultures were tapped into the demonic underworld and introducing giants back into the human genome. In the next sermon next week, we will see that God has a plan to deal with this problem through a future people group called the nation of Israel. Number four, CERN. We've talked about CERN before. Uh, CERN is a, um, it's located in Switzerland. It's the Large Hadron Collider. Uh, it's a 17 mile underground circular particle accelerator. And that's where they shoot particles at each other and they were looking for the God, they called it the God uh, particle. And I think they supposedly found it some years back. Some postulate that certain factions of that community may be experimenting on opening new dimensions or wormholes. I, ha I, ha I read a, a blog on this, one of the scientists. Yeah, we're, we're, we're opening dimensions, we're opening portals time travel, inviting the fallen realm into our midst. They don't know that's what they're doing, or some of them probably do. Okay, this is a modern tower of Babel where humans are once again trying to open portals to other dimensions. It's a global effort with a common language of digital ones and zeros. We belong to Jesus, don't get afraid. Number five, most importantly, this is what we need to remember. Jesus is the one who can save us from the curses of all three ancient rebellions recorded in Genesis. Listen to this, all three rebellions involved celestial entities and humans cooperating to reject God's righteous purposes for the human race. Genesis three, the Nakash and Adam and Eve, Genesis 6, there were angelic beings marrying the daughters of men, angelic, human. Uh, Genesis 11, Nimrod becomes a giant, a mighty Gabor, and he's calling on the dark wisdom from, the, from Tartarus, celestial and humans rejecting God's purposes. Jesus is the answer to our broken relationship with the Father as seen in Genesis 3. He's the real hero, our perfect savior, unlike the fallen watchers and their perverted hybrid children of Genesis 6. And as seen in this last sermon on Genesis 11, we need Jesus to save us from the mental and physical enslavement of antichrist agendas. Jesus awakens those who pursue a relationship with him from the manipulative agenda of the fallen entities and their human puppets who war against the kingdom of God.
Amen. Okay, yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, we're back. Awesome. Um, yeah, we can just jump right back into this. So, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff, man. Great sermon. I really enjoyed listening to <laughs> all aspects of it. I really come on really spoke to me on multiple different levels. <laughs> he still needs to listen to it, you guys. I just got to be honest. I'm sorry. We patched it in, but he hasn't got a chance to hear it yet. Yeah, you can you can delete this out of it if you want. Oh, okay. it's all good. <laughs> we'll let the people know what's up. Um, yeah, so I don't. I'm not really equipped to ask questions, even though we talked a little bit about it. Um, but yeah, let's real quickly summarize those last five points, or or you know, I guess we could go two different ways. Is there something that you want to answer that maybe someone asked after during those questions during the sermon? Was there stuff that you're like, oh, this is this is something that maybe I should mention later that maybe people are asking or thinking about. Uh, I think, well, I think the first two sermons, they had more questions. I think people were going, I don't know what to ask this time, mm-hmm. <laughs> honestly. Um, cause people, as, as little as the church talks about old Testament things, Genesis three is something like, oh yeah, the the fall in the Garden of Eden. But then when you unpack that, it's like, oh, I didn't know that. Then Genesis six, people kind of know about that, but very little. Right. And then you get to Nimrod, and I don't think most people. I mean, they've heard the way, word Nimrod, but it usually means like somebody's stupid. But it's weird. <laughs> I tell you how, what, you wouldn't want to meet Nimrod, boy. Yeah. It's weird how we use that. So, yeah, like it's isn't like. That yeah, uh, you're such a nimrod. Yeah. And I, I, I've even felt like I've even caught myself recently saying, oh, I'm a nimrod. I'm like, ooh, maybe I don't want to call myself that. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe that's something yeah. I don't want to invoke. But yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that's even less familiar territory. Yeah. And then next week's going to be, I think it's just going to be really hard because I have all these tribal names and kind of like stuff. The, the filler of it is it kind of in cap the next sermon yeah okay okay we'll wait yep. we'll get yep. into that later yeah something to look forward to folks um yeah anyway, we had we chat a little bit about cern and also crispr um kind of just like the modifying of of dna that's happening the chimera stuff um like that stuff's mm-hmm. i mean you can look at any paper right now uh you can search and find scientific papers talking about human hybrid chimera type stuff happening. Like that's in the I don't know conspiracy theory world that's mm-hmm. out there, but it's semi legit. I mean, it's actually legit. Like there's actual scientific documents. There's that, stuff going. Yeah, that's the hard that. thing. Is is there's somebody controlling media agenda, believe it or not, <laughs> and they'll I think they'll throw out things that are completely off mm-hmm. and then they'll throw out real stuff mm-hmm. and then create division yeah you, you get what i'm saying so they're playing both sides yeah yeah it's well uh, what, what's interesting is you know you go back to if this stuff was happening th- thousands of years ago and it's like nothing's new under the sun right like we're coming to things that we're like oh this technology is crazy well if if you take this view of of genesis like you're talking about, it's like, oh yeah, this is this has been played out before. Yeah, we know what's happened. Yep, you know, um, yeah. 
So it's it's kind of cool. But I guess the the one thing we don't know that they, and we do know. I mean, it's in the Bible, but um, the first time this was the first iteration of this, there was no Jesus in the mix, and now Jesus is in the mix, which is kind of cool. So we'll yeah. see what the second iteration of God's plan is. We kind of have an idea, but yeah, that's the yeah. cool thing. God really, no matter what, what uh, you know, we we talked about four four D chess or four, you know seven D mm-hmm. chess. He's we may be playing checkers, and he's over here like <laughs> yeah, thousands of moves ahead of you, and you move that. Yeah, I've been doing these chess puzzles, and it's like um, sometimes when you're playing chess. Uh, you get your opponent to a point where if you can do it correctly, they only have one direction to move. Even though they may be thinking free will, this is the move I'm making. Uh-huh. In the position that you've placed everything on the board, uh, right? Yeah. you only have one option to go, right. this direction. And then finally, it's checkmate. If you can play at that level, you know, only yeah. these options are there. Everything else is checkmate, no matter what. That's the really mm-hmm. high-level chess players. So they're kind of fun puzzles to figure out how do you make your opponent move to check or to checkmate within three or two moves, and they you put them, you box them in, and no matter what you do, they will always go to check if you play it correctly. You yeah, know? and God's way better than I know. Right, he's not. You know. Yeah, he's way above. Yeah, which is he did a checkmate at the cross because. If the fallen realm had known that they were crucifying the Lord of Glory, who was going to come back three days later, yeah, <laughs> uh, they wouldn't have done that. And so that was a checkmate move right there because they thought they got rid of him. Yeah, and they and so he was crucified. He died. He was buried. He went into the grave and. That was where Abraham's bosom is, and he. There's the righteous people waiting. They weren't in torment. They were, they were waiting. He probably had a talk with them. Hey, I'm here. What's up? And then, and then he visits Tartarus, where the the uh, fallen angels are locked up. And he said, um, "You've lost, basically." Hmm. So a victory dance, kind of, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I don't know. But, yeah. It's just crazy. It's just it's a conspiracy. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. A, the cross wasn't a defeat uh, because he went out of the grave on his own accord. He had the power to leave the grave, you know. Mm-hmm. And that was the move that. Yeah, it, it it ruined all of their moves. So that might be why this is interesting. Now we're now we're we're shooting from the hip. That is probably why the um, fallen angelic realm, I think they sort of recede from human history a little bit. I mean, they're there, but but you don't have them as prominent Yeah. because I think they moved back and manipulated things from the background quite a bit less than, than especially before the flood. We had fallen entities on earth in, for real. Yeah. You know, doing vibing. stuff, vibing. Yeah, but uh, straight up having a great time. Yeah, but after the cross, it seems like they recede, so that anybody who thinks that the Bible is real, like these supernatural things, is real, we look kind of stupid. Yeah, you know, 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, like sense. Yeah. Conspiracy theorists are. But it's coming back around, I think. Yeah. Nothing new under the sun. Yeah. Right. Round two. It, yeah. You see that too. Like um, the Antichrist, right, is supposed to die and come back to life again. A it's going to be a mimicry. Yeah. Yep. You see. A, and he's going to be a hybrid again. Mm. Right. Yeah. So Genesis 3.15, God said the seed of the woman will always be at enmity with the seed of the serpent. Hmm. So, Was that serpent like Nikosh serpent? Yeah. 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 Yep. That's interesting. So the fallen realm is probably planning a hybrid, which would be the Antichrist. Yeah. Human enough to, to try to lay claim to the earth, but f- from a fallen... From a from Satan, basically, I think <laughs> it's a, that's a theory. Yeah, but it's Genesis six replayed again. Does uh, that make sense? Wild. Yeah. <laughs> no, that makes sense. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. A, I have other questions, but maybe we should save that for another diecast. Okay. At some point, um, I had some people act, actually ask me some questions, but save that for another diecast. Okay. So. After the sermons, you know, because I have two more things, yeah. two more material things. Yeah, we got developed. dadcasts for days, guys. <laughs> dadcasts for days, basically. Yeah. Yeah, that's the good stuff. Cool. Um, yeah, so yeah, come, I mean, I, I probably it's probably too late at this point to come listen to these sermons live in person and ask your questions, but I guess, I mean, you could email me, timminspodcast at gmail.com, not going to promise if I'm going to answer these questions or not, or if I'll get to them, but that's maybe one way to get, get a hold of us. Or uh, direct message me on Twitter, uh, Timmons Podcast, at Timmons Podcast, all one word. Um, anything else you want to say? No, nah, let's, let's uh, yeah. Just let it ride? Let it ride. Yeah, we're good. Okay. We're good. Yeah. And, uh, oh, we got to listen to the outro. Got to listen to that good music. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll catch you next week with uh, Sermon 4. Or the fourth turn four. Yeah. 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 All right. Peace out. Bye. There are tares sown among the wheat. There is no deception so well hidden in plain sight than the agenda of the troglodyte. They aim to erase human dominion of the earth and claim it for their own abuse.